For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. Matthew 18, 20. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Young Apologist episode one. Finally at the actual number one after two podcasts that didn't uh, make the cut for the first number. I'm here with Andrew Mackin. What's up? And today we are doing a podcast on um, specific things we look for in a church home. Um, very relevant because me and Andrew, I guess I would say it's recently, we recently both um, went to, started going to new churches. So yours was two, yeah. within the past like year and a half or year so? Year and a half. But year and a half, and and as was mine. So we <clears throat> we actually. So I guess you started going to your church like three or four months before I started going to the church I'm attending now. Yeah, probably around there. Yeah. Um. So we are just going to talk about some things that we look for in a church. Um. Some things that we have as preference, and some things that we have as necessity. Um, we're going to do the things that are necessary first. We have uh, a few things written down and we're just going to kind of chat over those. Um, so yeah, I mean, you wrote the list, you can go ahead and start if you want to. All right. Yeah. So the first thing we have is sound doctrine. So like, at least for me, when I, when I'm looking to find a new church and I've been to a few different ones now, um, over the years because of moving and stuff like that. But um, the most important thing I would say is to really, like, have a firm commitment to biblical doctrine. So, like, especially, like, coming from my point of view, really the only, the only real, like, doctrine out there tends to line up with Reformed theology. So g- making sure it's, like, a Reformed church in the sense that, like, they hold to, like, some of the sound doctrines that Reformed theology holds to. Um yeah, and not only just the, like, the Reformed perspective as far as, like, <clears throat> you know, like, holding to a, a London Baptist or or uh, Westminster confession, but um, also just, like, kind of the attitude of a, of a Reformed church that, like, oh, that, the, uh, the quote, like, keep reforming, just the attitude behind the, the, uh, like, the Reformed theology and that perspective and what it brings with it, um, just, like, more careful um, study of scripture and more knowledge of theology. That whole attitude kind of um, is a characteristic that we're definitely both into in, in the church. Yeah, because um, of what it results in. Yeah, it's so important too. Exactly because of the the results of it. Um, like if you look at a lot of reformed churches, you'll see that they're committed to like everything, um, not just like missions or something but like in every area of life they're committed to furthering the gospel in every area yeah they also you also see a lot in reformed churches and and this isn't just i mean obviously there are non-reformed churches that are going to have some of these characteristics and do some of these things really well um and sometimes they're going to do them better than reformed churches but just as a a general perspective from from what we've seen from the reformed churches we've been in and um, what we've heard from other other Reform people going to their Reform churches, um, Reform churches focus a lot on discipleship of their their members and um, just helping people mature in um, in their spirituality and in their studies. And there's just 
there's less focus on um, trying to make the church appear as like this, this uh, like gigantic, like, a, like humongous thing. Yeah, like a, like this appealing circus, and yeah. it's more of of you know training and taking care of the people that are there, and giving them the um, the discipleship and the help that they need. Um, just basically taking care of their members. I just saw a thing the other day where a pastor rode, rides into like the church on like a Harley. Is this John Chris? And then maybe. Oh my goodness. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Is John Chris like a comedian guy? <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is like an actual thing. Like oh, okay. an actual pastor yeah. does this. Um, so he rides in like into church like on a Harley and like they actually have like some sort of like fireworks show. Oh, is this the, the, yeah, the 4th of July thing? Yeah. 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 Like, I heard about that. It was that. insane. <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool. I don't I think mean, so. Does that not just I think I would, set your mood for worship? I'm pretty sure I'd leave the church. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, for sure. But first you would sit and enjoy the show, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd record it and post it in the reform pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> No, but honestly, like, the doctrine will influence every area of the church. And if you don't have good doctrine, sound doctrine that's biblically based, the church isn't going to really do well in terms of, like, how a biblical church should run. Um, Because, like, there are plenty of churches out there that are gigantic based off of numbers, but they're not biblical churches. They're not really doing much for the gospel. Great example of this is like the gospel of wealth stuff that clearly is not Christianity, but like they have a huge following. Um, they proclaim Christianity, but they have, but they're not obviously. Um, and they just, they have a huge following and that's what their focus is really. So the more people we can get in, the more, the better we'll be for Christ or something. Because you make more money. Make more money, yeah. (laughs) Where a lot of churches that, like, have a good, strong biblical basis are more focused on discipleship and really not growing their numbers, but growing the people inside in order to grow the numbers, kind of, instead of focusing on just oh, how many members do we have? Right. Like, do I have 50 now? Or, like... And you also, like, will see, like, in the membership roles, a large, like, difference between, like, some churches that will keep members for, like, years and years and years, even if they don't go to the church and say, oh, they're still members. They're still members of the local church. It's fine. When they're actually not, just because it might look bad if they have to cut off some membership that isn't coming to the church actively and maybe isn't... (laughs) isn't even there anymore. Another thing you notice with those numbers is that, unfortunately, if there's a church with really sound doctrine, there's a good chance that it's going to have pretty low numbers. That's why, I mean, when you when you see things like, like megachurches, which I, this isn't a podcast to, to rag on megachurches, but when you see huge membership numbers, I mean, pretty much everyone in the reform circles kind of, you know, scratches their head and and says, hmm, maybe maybe there's something going on here. For such a mass appealing message, it's yeah. it's it's interesting to see such high numbers. So it's like, what are they actually teaching? What are they avoiding? What yeah. are they not bringing up? Um, 
but then yeah, again, I, there are some large reformed there churches are. Yeah. and stuff like uh, Parkside in Ohio under yeah. Alistair Begg. Like it's gigantic. Yeah, and it's a great ministry as well. And yeah, I mean, I mean, we did we put sound doctrine first. It's it's extremely obvious that you're gonna need sound doctrine, but yeah. I mean, it's the it's the basis for basically everything else that we talk about going down this list. Looking at it, everything is gonna be a result of of sound doctrine. So. It, it just it permeates every aspect of everything the church does and without it there's it's just the church can't do very much good without sound doctrine so yeah alrighty alright so moving on um, so for the next the next thing I would like to talk about really is the pastor and like the head of the church and what you know like when I go to a church service if I'm visiting, what I look for in the pastor. So really the biggest thing I look for is like what type of sermon they're presenting. So whether it's more topically based or like more exegetical, um, I prefer prefer a more exegesis-centered. So like where you're actually going through the text line by line, verse by verse, uh, word for word. Um, because to me that really like screams like, hey, I'm not going to take different texts around the Bible and apply it to a certain topic that I think, or rather, I'm not going to take a certain topic and try to find what fits, um, but instead I'm going to go through the text and really show what the text is saying here, um, and then give you application based off of the text and not just, like, whatever I feel like doing. Like your dad's Mother's Day message. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I forgot. I don't even remember my dad's Mother's Day message. Oh, no. You guys ran in about it forever. Yeah, no, it, I mean, exegesis is, is extremely important. It's, it's, it's the way we believe is going to be the best way um, to present the gospel and to present, um, you know, God's message of truth in every aspect um, through the church. I mean, the church's job... Uh, isn't to preach a message that is going to bring people in. It's to disciple the believers that are there. So that exegesis, whether it's, you know, it it doesn't have to be mass appealing and and watered down. Um, It being straight text and uh, just a really in-depth study of a text is, is really important to me and Andrew. Um, and not just because we prefer that like deep theological perspective, but um, because we think it's it's the best way to present God's word, and it's a way to keep yourself in check um, with what the truth is and the point you're trying to make with your message. Because oftentimes, like you were saying, we pastors kind of trail off and and try to prove a point, and they have their point before they have their text, and they find text that supposedly supports their point, um, which is, which is not the way that, that I would, at least I would prefer for a pastor to, to be teaching his congregation. So, um, yeah, a little more on that. I would say is just that at least, at least for me, like not every message has to be a strict exegesis of the text, I guess. Like you could have like some sort of like, Hey, to this, like, my series is, let's say, like, the Doctrines of Grace, and, like, this week we're focusing on, like, 
um, irresistible grace or something like that. Um, yeah. Like you can have the topic in mind, but just as long as you're bringing forth biblical support for the topic, but like that's not enough almost. You have to then go a step further and say, this is why it's biblical support and this is why it's not just trying to fit a topic, but instead this is how we get the topic from the text instead of just like, instead of just going like, oh, I think we should talk about stewardship or something today and let me pull out like 50 different Bible passages that really don't have much to do with it and try to convey that it does. Yeah. And that's where you get misinterpretation from and that's when it really gets in the way of discipling believers. Yeah, definitely. Um, next up, we have uh, commitment to discipleship. Um, and we were kind of chatting about that before um, <clears throat> with the importance of discipling believers that are in the church. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a necessary thing for a church to have people that are available. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times in different podcasts that I listen to, there'll be a question and, and people will say, talk to your pastor about it. You know, don't ask the podcast, go talk to your pastor about it. It's important. And just the, the ability to reach out to a pastor or an elder and be able to have that kind of, um, connection and one-on-one time is really important, um, in the discipleship of the believer. Um, also just discipleship in general, having things like Bible studies and being committed to, <clears throat> you know, helping the people to understand scripture and, um, creating avenues for them to share information and in a group study God's word together, Mm -hmm. um, is really important. Yeah. Um, so recently I was listening to something and I forget what it was, but they were, they were kind of discussing the topic of discipleship and, specifically when it comes to the pastor like why would you go to a church where you can't talk to the pastor or like you don't have like some sort of relationship with the pastor because the whole purpose of the pastor is to be there to try to teach and instruct uh other like the believers because that's what he's been called to do and why I don't understand why someone would just sit in a church service and have no relationship with the man who is teaching you and not be able to ask questions or anything like just like especially if you go to visit a church go up to the pastor afterwards I know sometimes like they're busy and stuff but if they're a good pastor that is, you know, has sound doctrine and really believes the Bible, they will take the time to talk to you and to sit down with you and kind of explain the church, kind of explain this, like ask them out for lunch after the service or over for dinner or something and really get to know him because if that's the church you're going to, you want to make sure you have a good relationship with the pastor enough to be able to to ask him questions or to say something if you didn't think what he said was right or something like that. And that kind of relationship can be like one of the most enriching relationships in your life for a believer. You know, being able to, to have someone that you can always go to for spiritual um, wisdom and it, and it's not just advice, you know. It, you're not just like going to a therapist and getting advice. They're 
they're telling you truths from God's word because they're so studied in them. And that's what makes it so much more valuable than just someone who's, who's smart and who can give you like a good recommendation or good advice. You're going to the pastor because you know that he has studied scripture and he's going to give you quote unquote advice based off of what he studied. Um, and, and that's why it's so much more valuable than, than just your average relationship. So, yeah. So, I mean, same thing with like elders and deacons as yeah, yeah. well, like yeah. get to know them. Right. And other believers in the church even like invite people over to dinner. Yeah. It's fine. It's not, yeah. It's and not it'll help you scary. grow. <laughs> Definitely. Um, next up, what do we have? Correct administration of sacraments. Um, do you have a comment? Yeah, I'm gonna, okay, so for those of you who don't know, like, what sacraments are, or, like, are, like, sacraments, oh, is that Catholic? No, it's, uh, it's not, um, but Correct so, administration of confession, right? You're still, I don't know, you're still using, like, okay, so we're talking about <laughs> baptism I was specifically being Catholic <laughs> on purpose. So, baptism <laughs> in the Lord's Supper, or communion, or you know, whatever else you want to call it. Um, uh, that's what we mean by sacraments. The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Are we eating dinner now? <laughs> um, so by sac, I think sacraments is just like the best word to kind of describe yeah. baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, cause it's, a, it's like a step beyond, you know, oh, we do this just cause it's tradition and stuff, but it's like, it, it gives a more like spiritual connotation to well yeah which... I, sacraments are are specifically uh, a command of the church i mean they're yeah. they're a requirement laid out in scripture that that they have to be administered yeah um and what you know um there's controversy surrounding both both of those sacraments that we were talking about and it you know it even within like protestant like evangelical yeah. circles because you have i mean Within, um, you know, just baptism, you have pedo-baptism, you have credo-baptism, you have immersion versus sprinkling. In communion, you have um, wine versus grape juice. You have intinction versus drinking out of the cup. There's so much, you know, with each of them. Yeah. And it, it's because they're such important topics and they're so crucial to the church and how the church operates that that they've you know created so much controversy do you want to do you want to say where we stand on on each of them i mean i mean yeah we can talk about them a little bit so i guess the major thing that i would like say um specifically about like the lord's supper no, um we're that one first yeah we'll, we'll do the lord's supper first uh, i think that i think um, that's one of the places that we disagree maybe yeah yeah well just you know besides like the wine and like grape juice or whatever just the more like i think this is an area where evangelicals really struggle in because i feel like evangelicals saw like coming like out of the catholic tradition of that like it, your trend your transcription so like you're you're right. actually taking on the body and blood of christ and going from, like, that extreme to, like, a super spiritual, because, like, the Catholic is, like, a super spiritual, like, something's happening to the bread and stuff. Um, and it seems like we overreacted to, like, 
the Catholic version of it and went to, like, the other extreme where it's just something we have to do. And, like, it's just taking a piece of bread and it's just taking, um, you know, the glass of wine or grape juice or whatever um, to drink real quick and, like, you know, we do it in remembrance of Christ, but that's, like, that's it. That's all we can Once say. a year. Once a year, yeah. <laughs> like, we kind of avoid it, but, like, I would say that there's a spiritual aspect to it, and there's also, like, a physical, like, aspect to it. So I would say, like, a good middle ground between that. Yeah. Where, like, you're really recognizing that this sacrament represents Christ and what he did. Um, not to the point where like, oh, we're actually taking like the body and the blood of Christ and like drinking it. Cause that's, that always deemed me as pretty gross, but that's <laughs> besides the point. Um, but like, I don't think evangelicals really recognize this spiritual sense to it and like the actual deepness and richness of the remembrance part. Yeah. Yeah. And that also... I guess that applies to the frequency in the church, um, which our churches do differently. Yeah. So um, my church offers it every week. We do uh, only wine and bread. Um, it, I, I mean, intention's allowed. Most people drink of the cup. We do a single cup. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I... I personally, I, I guess some of it comes down to preference. Um, I believe that it should be wine. Um, but as far as frequency for, for distribution, I think that that's up to the church. But it being offered every week and allowing the believer to decide whether or not um, he or she should take it, I think is is a wise move on the on the church part. I don't think that it's necessarily up to the church to decide when the believer is, is ready to take um, of the the bread and the cup. So I think that allowing the congregation to self-regulate as to how often they should take a sacrament um, is, it, I think it's it's a good thing. I, I don't, but again, I don't think it's a horrible thing that if you distribute it once a, mo- a month. I, I think that distributing it once a year is is a little yeah, less. It's, yeah. It's... Um, yeah, a lot of churches that I've been to do it like once a month or so, yeah. but I think there are... So like, I'll just give you an example of my church. So, you know, my dad's the pastor and so like we've talked about this and stuff and specifically like holding off on taking it because... You have a very unique situation. Yeah, because like the church isn't like spiritually healthy i think is is a wise move because you don't want to cause people to do something when you place eat and drink condemnation on themselves yeah when you place like a huge importance on the sacrament which because it's a spiritual thing but it's also a physical thing you know um and like withholding that from the church that is spiritually dead I think is is a good thing um but you know in like a spiritually healthy uh, <laughs> um a spiritually healthy you're really dogging on your church right now <laughs> um just kidding 
That's all right. Um, uh, a spiritual healthy church, you can really, you can really see the benefits of taking it regularly. Yeah, I mean, like that's part of the difference too. Like, yeah, you you're at a church that just had a switch of pastors. You're in, um, you know, a suburban area. You. have like pretty low attendance and a lot of it is old church members that have been there for a long time. And I'm going to a church that is right in the center of downtown that has like a booming congregation. We're not Mm -hmm. huge. I mean, we're, we probably have, you know, like 200. And you're also a church plant. And we're, we're Acts 29 in church plant and we're planning churches. We're like, we're, I, I don't know if, it's kind of weird to say, but in my from my perspective, we're as spiritually healthy um, as one could expect from a church right now. Yeah, like, like the our our elders are are incredible. We're um, we're discipling people to be new elders. We're sending them off to mm-hmm. churches. We're um, doing we're doing you know we're doing a mission um, uh, mission work in Tijuana. Right. We're I mean, but that's because we've built up this thing over time and we've created this spiritually healthy and, you know, fluid church action. Right. And it's, it's also very interesting to contrast because at least my family and some of the people that have joined my church since, um, since like my dad got there, um, they've kind of, and like my dad calls it like his leadership team and, them coming in have viewed it almost as like a re-church plant just because of how dead the church was like people didn't even realize the building was still open and functional and especially like coming from a like a situation like yours where it's like it's relatively new like it's how many like three years or um five five yeah yeah like which is still yeah it's still new i mean we're we're in a studio downtown yeah so it's not we don't i get we have our own building technically we bought it so yeah but it's yeah it's a very very different situation yeah and then coming from like it's interesting to contrast and then coming from like mine where we've been around since like 1862 or something <laughs> like we're they're old all right the church is old that's when most <laughs> of the uh, congregants were also born so. <laughs> hey now hey. um but like coming from there and then seeing their church history and the pastors they've had and they've had some rough history with mm-hmm. like people that were not spiritually foundational and the congregation having to get along with Alan, a pastor, and then meeting a new pastor that is biblically sound. Different, different from their old pastor. Different from their old pastors. They used the not inspired version. What? They used the not inspired version. The NIV? Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) That was a joke. They used the KJV. I'm just throwing that out there. My dad didn't change that. Yeah. So I think you would change it to the NASB, but yeah, just, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like those two, like it's really interesting then to see those two situations and how they like go alongside of each other. And honestly, how like, you know, you've grown in your church, which is, which is great. But like, I've also grown in mine, even though. Yeah the mo a lot of the congregation isn't 
theologically sound or doctrinally sound or like resisting change um whereas like both situations you know one's obviously better than the other well well they're they're just i mean they're just as exciting to me yeah to see like your church go from basically rock bottom to you guys are are building up yeah getting the church and and i mean i'd love to see like i'd love oh it sounds weird to like put my church on a pedestal but like if you could get to like a fluid church that's that's training and discipling people like like you know like my church is in you know five years or so that would be like the most amazing thing in the world to see that and so that's why yeah neither one is better than the other it's just my church is has been you know doing it for longer and we're at that Mm -hmm. point and hopefully you guys are going to get to that point that's that's what i mean that's why your dad took on the pastorship of that church and that's why you guys are there you're trying to build up the church and and you know build it into something that that is discipling believers and and you know spreading truth yeah which is awesome Okay, wow. We spent a that lot was, of time on that. That was a long, yeah. Uh, we didn't even we didn't really, really talk yeah, about Yeah, we didn't even really talk about the sacraments. <laughs> well, all right. So um, so we, talk, we talked a lot about the Lord's Supper or communion. Yeah, um, you mentioned that. Which is enough. Think, like it's wine only and stuff. And yeah, and you... Just to put my print yeah, go ahead. out there. Go ahead. I, wine or grape juice, I think is fine. Either one, yeah. Either one, and then like... And also, my church just recently, within the past six months, switched over because they did. Yeah. They did grape juice and wine, and then they, my pastor, switched it because of um, his conviction based on scripture. Yeah. But just for a little context as well, my church or like when my dad will do it, he'll do grape juice only. Yeah. Um, I would say that that's probably just a preference on tradition. Because that's what we've grown up in, and that's what he's used to, um, and I don't think he would feel comfortable like presenting wine or anything, or yeah, he, I don't think he'd feel comfortable presenting wine. Um, but maybe, maybe he'll change. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, and then baptism. We're both credo Baptist. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> credo baptism is uh, baptism after a profession of belief rather than at birth into uh the covenant family right which was what the pedo baptist belief would be um so that differentiates there's other things but that's a big differentiator between presbyterian and and reformed baptist yeah um but yeah we i mean that's we don't like we believe in immersion um and yeah i mean that's that's about all we need to talk about on that topic yeah pretty much um baptism is a pretty like it's like a pretty i wouldn't say clear because there are some like controversies but like most believers i would say agree yeah most believers are armenians too though that that's true but like (laughs) i don't know like um most times you see baptism it's usually like immersion and like after confession of faith which well yeah you know we won't get into that we'll we'll talk about that later i i sympathize with the the pedo baptist belief and i i see where they're coming from so um but but i'm still creative baptist but now we get to go into the fun part yay so now we got we got all the the hardcore stuff out of the way we can do the preference stuff now so you put this letter a you take the reins on that one yeah so 
kiddos. As as people are aware, I do have a fiance, oh, and I like goodness. to talk about her a lot. Um, yeah, me... But <laughs> one of the things that we've always like, as we're starting, you know, getting ready for marriage and getting ready, like we discuss a lot of things, and one of the things like that we have talked about is if we like move or anything like that how are we going to find a church and like what are some of the things that we need in a church and we wouldn't say this is like a must-have but it's more of like a preference a really strong preference is that there's a community of children so like i don't know if you've ever been to a church without children my church doesn't yeah, have a lot I've of children. I've been to a church without children because I've been to your church. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, we don't have, like, many kids. We have How many? three just, regular ones. Just Robert's ones. kids? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, we like, one of our deacons has three kids, and that's pretty much all we get. We do get, like, two or three maybe other ones that aren't as regular. Yeah. But just to see children in a church growing and like them being able to witness to the older like people um having strong parents that are raising their kids in the right way for younger people that are like getting married me um (laughs) to be able to see has always been something that like we've seen as a really great thing to have yeah and like so we visited your church a while ago. Um, just I was, cause, I'm so glad you're saying it so I don't have to sound like I'm bragging. Yeah. Um, just because, like, we were doing something, so we went to yours. Um, and it was... You went was to the it, best one for kids. It was when they sang. Yeah, it was when they sang. And, like, <laughs> seeing kids singing, like, in the middle of, like, a worship service and, like, a church service. Yeah. It's just like so uplifting. And yeah, it's like it's amazing. There are kids that are like being raised right, and is it's just a huge encouragement. So we've always placed the focus on like if the church has kids, if we're able to get involved in like a kid ministry or something. Because I know my fiance has had a passion for kids. Like she was just a nanny for the summer, and she's always liked kids. And, like, mm-hmm. she likes to help out in those ways. Yeah. And so for – it's it's hard to adjust to a church without a lot of children that aren't, yeah. you know, very prevalent. Yeah, my uh, – yeah, I, we got – me and Rachel, um, we're, we're lucky to find a church like, like the one we go to because, you know, our, our kids' ministry is great and – also, a big thing that our church focuses on is is fostering, and there's just like a huge focus on youth and yeah. training up the next generation, and um, a lot of our church members are, um, ha- are come from big families and want big families, and it's just like a really good environment for the kids, and it's it's a place that I'd love to have my kids in the future be, right? Um, just because of uh, our ministry and and the families there that we can watch and the, the kids that they'd be interacting with they're all great so yeah should we ask how many kids you want now how many kids i want how many kids how many kids want? do you want two to four two to four two to wow, four so okay that's a that's a range <clears throat> so abby says four uh-huh and i say two ish okay. yeah ish being so optimal like 
me and I don't Rachel, know. me and Rachel, we also have a range. You have a range? Yeah, yeah. We Ranges range. are good. It leaves, it's a lot of layway. Zero to six. Zero to six. <laughs> that's a big range. That's like not a, okay. Two to four is like, that's like you know you want two for sure, but it's just a question. Yeah. Once you get those two, do you really like want to continue? I honestly, it's but like for, zero to six. for me and Rachel, it's either zero or six. Also, so really, yeah, really, wow. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I kidding, think, but I think we'd be happy with three to be honest. Yeah. You know, because it's within the range. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, I, I don't yeah. know what me and me and Rachel are, you know, we, we have all kinds of, I, I don't know. I don't know what will end up, but um, Rachel has a fondness for fostering. So that's that's another thing that okay. that we'll have to talk about. But I, I, I really don't know at this point, but she came from a big family and she if she if she's going to have a family, she she wants her kids to have you know, brothers and sisters yeah. to be around. And we both came from like two. Yeah. That was yeah, it. Right. And then an older sibling and we're and the younger. And then our side. girls came from, that sounded weird. Our girls, my fiance, your girl, you know, came um, from big families, yeah, big families. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, Abby has <sighs> so weird. I never seven, even made that connection. Seven. Well, Rachel seven has seven siblings. Rachel has seven. How she has, crazy is that? Yeah. She has, uh, uh, one, two, she has three sisters and her, so that's four, and then three guys, so seven overall. Yeah. So she has six brothers and sisters. It's just, I, like, coming from a person, like, uh, from a family that has two kids, and, like, my brother's four years older than me, mm-hmm. so, like, we were never, like, super, super close. Like, there was a large gap there. That just, like, is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, to have... And, like, you can really tell the difference because, like, we've always had to find, like, a friend or something, whereas, like, they can just live on their family. Right. And have, like, And they, no they tend to have yet. stronger family ties, too. Oh, yeah. It's very apparent with, with Rachel, especially. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Moving you, on. Yeah. Here. The next topic is different age groups. You can go ahead and start on that one. Well, <laughs> yeah. It seems kind of similar to kids. Now that yeah. I think about it. Yeah, but, we, uh, yeah. We don't need to spend a lot of time. Where I was it. going with this is that there... I think it's specific to your A church. wide range of, like, there are older people that are strong Christians. Mm-hmm. There are younger people that are just starting off. There are middle people. They're like young married people, they're old married people, just a wide range so everyone in the church can benefit from the other like age group. So like, like since me and Abby are about to get married, we look for older couples to see like, hey, this is what they're doing, right? How can we take that and like use it so that we make sure we're doing things right? Um... And, like, really seeing, like, the Bible in other relationships, yeah. like, how it's working, how it's, like, they're both, both people are growing towards God and towards each other, and seeing how that plays out is just, like, a huge, awesome thing to experience. And when you have a church that's primarily, like, older people, it's harder to get a connection with them or 
a strong connection, I would say, like one where you're able to really like share your struggles with them and they'll share their struggles with you. Like, like just for example, we have like a couple older, like really older couples, but like they don't really talk too much or anything yeah. and it's harder to engage really older couples than it is maybe like a little bit younger couple and like seeing all stages of where people are at in their lives in the church is a good thing it goes it also like it it shows a good diversity yeah um in how people are able to really benefit and grow from fellowshipping with other people of different ages yeah. Also your own age. And that's something my church um, wasn't like optimal on when I, when I first started going there. We were generally like a younger congregation. And lately, like within... Maybe we could mix. <laughs> yeah. Have the Let's just join churches. The older, yeah. They're only 45 minutes to an hour away from each other. Um, uh, well, when... Okay. So when you made the comment of like 1862, that's when like people were born. Obviously not that old, but like... We have 1962 people. is probably the youngest. Like, they we have so many old people. Yeah, not well, like we have so many young people. Yeah. So recently, like within the past year or so, I've seen some older people joining the congregation. I've been very happy about okay. that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I we we're generally a younger congregation. Um, but I like to have like elder people in the like older people in the church to be able to, um you know, you're going to talk to and, and they have a different perspective and different kind of wisdom that you don't always get from, from younger people. So, yeah. So yeah, I, de- I definitely have hold that same preference. Um, next up music. Ooh, this is a big one. Tunes. 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 Do you play, do you plug in your phone and play iTunes from the Do you have fog machines and, um, like, double-necked guitars? I wish. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, so, and Andrew's churches, uh... Probably differ quite a bit. Actually... We we differ quite a bit on our music, but it's, yours is mostly because of a limitation rather than... Well, yeah. I don't know if we really differ that much, though. Yeah, like so, in terms of actual music. Yeah, in terms of actual music, we sing pretty similar songs. It just sounds a lot different. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So how it is. actually, we changed the music since you've been there. Yeah, well, we've also changed our music recently. Um, so Whoa. my church, we have um, like a, a group of people. I guess a band, but that sounds way. Is that secular? It sounds really, dude. It's that, so secular. Is that secular. Um and. It, we actually we compose a lot of our own music so the band composes a lot of their own stuff and writes their own lyrics and um i've never had a single issue with any lyric and i've always paid really close attention to what we're singing and they've always been um theologically sound lyrics and and uh and although are you just going to keep hitting the table? You've hit the table yeah. like six times. My mic is like spiking. I'm changing positions. Okay. It's fine. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's... My church is... So the music might be a little bit contemporary for my taste, actually. Um, I I like I like the way we um, do music. I would also be fine with going to a psalmist church, which is yeah, kind of crazy, but... Um, 
but I, I definitely don't want the in-between. I don't want what your previous church did, which was just like, um, like kind of like in between hymns and like contemporary music and just like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like your guys' worship team and being both or no, like, cause we have, I th- we have both right now. We sing, yeah, we sing hymns too. So we sing, we usually, I just hit my mic really hard. We usually sing a hymn or two every, every service. Yeah. Um, and then the rest are, we have are like one contemporary every service. Yeah. If not two. So yeah, our, our, it's similar, but you generally have what you have, um, recorded a company. Yeah. Right? So we just changed the way we did music. So since we're, you know, re getting into like, um, so our congregation's old, so they don't really like sing like, as in we don't have a choir, we don't have a band. We you don't guys have, are small. Yeah, we're small. And there's not, we don't have, like, a huge talent for music. Um, so, like, we have no one who can really play instruments. We have a lady that plays the organ. She's good at it. Um, but, like, it's not enough to really, like, have the whole service, like, of worship focused around the organ. So we just changed um, how we do, how we, like, are worshiping from going to like a guy who was helping out the church he wasn't a member and he like they he wasn't there for like a long time but he was he just had a guitar and he would lead us um and that's when we got really contempt like really really contemporary as in like not great worship songs yeah because that's all he knew how to play um but there there came a point where my where my dad and like everyone else was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta do something and change this cause yeah. it's not working out. Um, so we changed to having a recording with like the lyrics, um, of someone like singing in the background and the music. So we don't have to have any instruments or anything cause no one can play anything. Um, and then we have four or five people just on stage, like, some of them are mic'd, some of them aren't, because some of them don't feel comfortable. You're not mic'd. Yeah, I'm not mic'd, because <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have a great voice, but... Um, yeah, so just a more... I would... Because we focus more on the words now, and not so much, like, we don't have to worry about, like, if something is horribly sung, or, like really well sung yeah or like anything because there's a recording so like no one really hears anyone yeah and like people love it now the lyrics and and the intention are yeah are important and um i mean it i think it's a great thing Uh, and i do i do feel that there's um a difference in the atmosphere of my church because of our music and, and we've put a lot of effort into oh, our yeah. music. But, um, I think that the, that's an emotional reaction. And I think that the emotion and feeling behind worship is important, but I think that, that it's not something that like that emotion and feeling is something that we as believers can become addicted to. And I know that I'm like, Oh, I want to, you know, it makes me feel refreshed. It makes me, Mm -hmm. you know, ready to go. But 
I, I have to like keep in mind that the most important thing about going to church is the service and interacting with other believers. So right. I, I have to really keep that in check. And, and our church does a really good job of keeping that in check with, um, we'll do services where we, um, do like very low key music and, and we're really, we're really not focused on our music. We're more focused on, um, you know, our service and, and right. we spend more time doing everything else. Um, our music just happens to be really good from a sec- from a man perspective. Yeah. Um, but- Which I don't like, cause coming, going from like pretty bad music, like as not good objectively like bad singing bad instrumental right into something that's like halfway decent that like people can follow along with they're able to um they're able to really like hear the lyrics be able to sing along really well because that's what the videos are designed for is for corporate worship and the atmosphere is just like 20 times better and it gets people ready to hear what you know the preacher is about to say yeah music can be a tool to open up your heart yeah. to to what's it gets people in like the mood for yeah for sounds kind of weird but stuff. yeah but it's true yeah all right let's keep moving on all right um i put this one down so i'll, I'll yeah. head this one off um i put plurality of elders um does that mean you want multiple elders? <laughs> yes. Which is something your dad s- struggles with saying yeah. in an extreme sense. Uh, he can't say plurality. And even if he gets plurality, the rest sounds like uh, of uh, like he forgets the next word, which is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever heard your dad try to say plurality of elders? Um, no. It's amazing. Have you ever heard him try to say depravity? Depri- depravity? He says depravity. <laughs> Literally. Dude, I'm totally deprived today. <laughs> Feeling really deprived. Every single message he says is oh, depravity. <laughs> or deprived instead of depraved. Oh, man. <laughs> it's okay. just it's like he's in the mood. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Um, yeah, I, plur- I prefer a plurality of elders because um, I think that it, it strengthens the pastor to have elders that he can rely on, elders that he can bounce ideas off of, and elders that can help him with managing the church. Um, you know, one man in a, in, a, in a church, you know, a medium-sized church, one man can't do it all. Yeah. Um, he can't address the needs of every single person in the church. He can't do every single coffee date that people mm-hmm. want to have and talk about issues that they're having or something that they're working through. So having the, that team of elders to not only bounce ideas off of and talk about sermon topics and, you know, pull from their wisdom, he also has them to help him out with his administration, his discipleship. And it's just, it, it it's a... Uh, I mean, it's an amazing thing to have multiple godly men leading the church at once. Now, I do yeah. think that that it's important to have one distinguished lead pastor, which we definitely do. Mm-hmm. We know who our lead pastor is, um, but having elder an elder team it has just been really enriching for me. I've met with all of them separately and been able to, um, you know, talk with them, talk with them about theological topics. And also, you can do things like we're planning a. Um, we're planning a church on the other side of, of the city that we live in. 
And we're sending one of our elders there to lead that church. He's becoming the lead pastor of that church. So being able to have people that train in the church that are taking or taking leadership positions in the church allows them to be better suited to go lead a church later on, which is what we're doing right. with, with one of our pastors, Matt, um, on the west side of town. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> you were you laughing at enriching? No, or... I was. I was reading something. Um, oh, of course you were. My mom just sent me a text because I'm moving into college tomorrow. She's like, "This is the last time you'll ever take your stuff away from home." And like, what? she's like, I'm crying now and stuff. It's yeah. Except for the time when you move into the apartment because you're married. Right. Well, she, well, that'd like, be straight from school. Back. That won't be straight from school. Will it? Yeah. Straight like, from school. Well, so I graduate and then a week, <laughs> I have a week and then I'm married. You're getting married in a week after, in a you week after graduation, <sighs> like from the date a week. What are you doing? Cause a grad we have party? to trap all our family. Are here. you doing a grad party though? Oh, trap Maybe. all your family. We have oh, to so you're doing them both in one. Here. Yeah. Because oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah, since so your grad Hawaii, party's in the middle of that week, right? Probably not. Maybe the bachelor party. I don't know. My <sighs> brother's planning that, which oh, scares me. Oh, goodness. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to gonna bring a Bible and some holy water. There you go. <laughs> Start sprinkling. <laughs> um, uh, so <laughs> back to the topic at hand, a plurality of elders you nail it dude yes not like father like son (laughs) um so this might surprise you but my church we have one subscriber on our youtube channel is it you yeah oh my goodness okay yeah (laughs) um my church struggles a little bit with this because you only have one elder well yeah (laughs) yeah well technically we have we would have like two elders and like a lead elder robert Robert and Bill, mm. um, they're considered deacons right now, but like the constitution that we just had changed, like makes them elders or like will eventually make them elders. Um, once like we change the actual name, but going from like a church that had like a good number of deacons and elders to a church that has three men essentially no and no one no one else is able to because there's that's like the men in the church that are committed to the church are there's only three. are like yeah. there's only like three or four three like not counting my dad um but like that's it that's all we have um yeah. and they're great people like, I love to talk to them and stuff, and we're able to get, like, a good relationship, but, like, it's the plurality of, like, multiple that are able to care for the entire church. Like, it's a struggle right now. Which Except that you don't have a lot of people to care for. That's true. So, yeah. I, I think as but you guys we're grow, still, like, stretched. Yeah, I mean, but I think as you guys grow, you'll, you'll yeah. get more spiritually healthy men that right which is which is what we're aiming for yeah because men are important i heard you heard yeah did did scripture say that i think it's somewhere in there somewhere in there somewhere in there (laughs) i somewhere in there isn't it i think so look for it it's in there 
Oh, <laughs> anyway, I added at the end um, tradition and structure. I don't know what your perspective was, is on this, Andrew, um, but... Could you explain what you mean? I will. You just I said w- tradition and structure. I will explain what I mean. So my church does things like corporate confessions, which is not sitting in a room is talking that, to a priest. Do you say things like, will you forgive me and stuff like no, that? No, we don't. Yeah. Um, but we... Um, we do generally like Bible verses. We'll read them together as like a confession of sins, not, not in a way that like that forgives our sins or anything like that. We're basically just speaking as a congregation saying that we are sinful and we're confessing the gospel basically. And, um, and we, we do, um, we do have like a general structure to our, to our, uh, Sunday service, which I I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, I like having readings of scripture that we read together. I like having corporate confessions. Um, we have our communion at the same time every week. Mm -hmm. Um, we send people off with a benediction, which is just basically scripture. Um, we're just reading it as kind of like a blessing and it, not that it has any supernatural power, us reading that we, it's just, it's just a tradition thing that helps keep the church in check and helps us to keep our focus on scripture. Um, that's just something I prefer in a church. I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that yeah. kind of structure. Now, um, we have a strict structure. Do strict, you? yeah. As in, Are you I'm... orthodox? Is there an orthodox structure? No, go ahead. I don't know. Um, uh, I know this because I do the PowerPoints for the church. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, if people aren't on cue, it's like, what are you doing? Because I put a countdown to the service to make wow. sure people were on that's your strict structure on point Amazing. now so because like we'll have a song song prayer song scripture reading like long scripture reading that's like cool. my dad gives like 20 verses that's awesome for like each passage we, i like it we always have two passages it's always funny cool um yeah but it we stand up during that like the people that are on stage because we're singing we have to stand up there for that and sometimes like it's really long <laughs> but that's good though yeah I, no it, guys, it is really good structure to your, to your um yeah i always enjoy structure um and honestly like it's not as strict as in it can never change because like Right. Just the other day, Robert was like, let's sing another verse, like acapella. And we won't talk about how we have no musically talented people in our church again, but it was great because, like, everyone sang. Yeah, my and, church like, was, changes the structure yeah, sometimes. Like, it's okay, and no one gets, like, offended that you're not following, unless yeah. you miss the countdown. <laughs> Don't miss the countdown. Alrighty. <laughs> Any other church preferences you want to talk about, or...? Uh, I think that would just about cover it. Cool. Yeah. Well, something we should mention, um, we have a YouTube channel. Um, yes. We're posting all these podcasts on our Please YouTube up. channel um, along with SoundCloud and iTunes. So if you want to go subscribe to our YouTube channel, it is The Young Apologists. Um, we're basically just putting up our banner with the audio to these tracks if you'd rather listen on, on YouTube or if you have YouTube Red yeah. and you can download the audio to listen to it later. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a YouTube Red ad. But <laughs> if you if you want to do that, you can. Um, we should be back next week. You'll be up at school, right? Yeah. Cool. So we will we'll plan um, to meet 
at least once to be able to do a podcast. And uh, we have a bunch of topic ideas, so I'm not sure which one we'll choose. You have yeah. to wait and see. Ooh. Are you I excited? I like how you're like, I know, right? Open. Cliffhanger. So people will have to. All right. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Later.